Thank you. So we're entering this exploration into the mind and life of the noble disciple. And one of the things we'll be talking about is what does it actually mean to be a noble disciple? And we'll find that there are a couple of different ways that people might define it. Um, One of them is that it's some level of attainment, like stream entry, Uh, Once returning, non-returning, arahant, and you may not be familiar with those sort of four levels of awakening, but those are common in the early texts. So there are various characteristics of each one, and it's like the kinds of levels of awakening one passes through on the way to full enlightenment. And... So some people are like, well, you're only a noble disciple if you've kind of had some level of realization. But there's also the, um, the case where each of those uh, is something we, we practice towards. And so um, when we're on the path to stream entry, how, does anyone not know what that I've not heard that term before. Yeah, okay, there are some of you. So entering the stream is actually a technical reference, you might say, by the by the Buddha or in the early texts, in the in the Buddhist texts in general. And it means to come to a point in the practice where the faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha is total, really fully um, You just really fully have the confidence that the Buddha has these qualities and characteristics that we're going to chant every morning. And the, the Dhamma has these qualities and characteristics that you, know, you find in the texts, and the Sangha, the enlightened Sangha also. And so there's a point where in our practice and in our uh, development, in our study, the mind comes to a point where there's a direct experience of that awakened mind, the Dhamma, the truth of the Dhamma, and the reality of the enlightened Sangha. And that kind of direct experience, which we'll talk about the nature of direct experience too, particularly tomorrow morning we're going to see this laid out in a sutta. And also um, complete confidence in, and in the training, and we'll talk about what that means, the training of the path, and um, a level of keeping precepts that's impeccable. So this kind of like, there's a, a kind of a point where this comes together. But until that happens, we're all practicing in that direction. Every bit of our meditation practice, our development of our our moral virtue, our um, development of wisdom, of understanding what the Buddha said and how it applies in our life and how we see it manifesting in our world, in in our experience. All of this is part of that path, part of that that path of the noble disciple. So 
my approach and my encouragement is don't worry about where you're at on that kind of sequence. Be, be present with and focused on what you experience and what kinds of challenges arise and how to meet those challenges in a way that we can overcome them and we can move through them and learn from them. And it's more about the direction we're heading than how far on the path we've come. So even at the beginning, we're also going to talk about past lives, and some of you will feel comfortable with that, and maybe others of you won't, but I know I've com- I completely um, accept, I guess, understand the reality of rebirth. It's very much completely woven into what the Buddha taught and what he experienced himself in the nature of the Dhamma. And we all have all of this history over lifetimes. So even if you feel like, well, I'm a really raw beginner, you might have done some of this work before. We all come into this life with abilities, um, tendencies, proclivities, the things we like and dislike, and somehow that all gets formed in the past. So we, we also may have some real practice under our belt. <clears throat> I was telling, um, we were telling Bhante Analia, we met with him earlier today, about our new member of our community, our Anagarka. And she's from Mexico, and she, um, you know, that's a, a, a social environment where you don't see much Buddhism yet. And when she was six years old, she, her, her parents took her to a museum in Mexico City Excuse me. Where they had a um, a temporary exhibit about Buddhism, and they had like a little kind of um, temple kind of thing with a Buddha statue, and she's like six years old, and she goes and sits down cross-legged in front of it and won't move. They had the security had to usher her out <laughs> eventually, and. You know, none of that really got made much of because, you know, they're not tuned into that. But she got into, you know, her her early 20s and she felt like, I need to renounce. What religion should I renounce into? And she finds Buddhism and she's like, yeah, this is it. And then she starts looking online for a place where she can find where to practice. And there's hardly, there's not much available in Mexico so far. So she thought, okay, in the United States, what's close to Mexico? California, okay, California. Like She finds us on the, on the internet and starts coming to our online programs. And now she's living with us and she's in white robes, first step of, toward ordination. But, you know, all that comes from somewhere <laughs> when it wasn't her environment. Anyway, that's one of uh, so many stories of, like, how we're conditioned. And then some of that conditioning, of course, are things that we want to leave behind. 
And the process of development on the path means we're going to change. And sometimes we think, well, this is a pattern I can't change. This is like my, I'm an angry person or I'm um, prone to um, abandoning myself and you know, throwing myself down for the, you know, like the doormat of everyone else or whatever our patterns are, right? And we might think, well, it's just part of my character. But the Buddha was really saying there isn't anything that's inherently fixed in you. Therefore, you have the opportunity to change it. And even if it's something that's been there a long, long time, the more we develop, first of all, the discernment that it's something we don't want to keep carrying with us, and then the energy to really investigate that and start to see how we can change it. And then the process of changing that pattern and the freedom when it falls away. And this is possible for everything that you think is you. So this is like, why do we want to study this idea of what is a noble disciple? How do we follow this noble path that the Buddha discovered? He didn't make it up. This is the one thing that's important to understand. He didn't make up a philosophy. He discovered it. He experienced it directly. And it's there for each of us to experience directly ourselves. But we have to put in the, the effort. He gave us a whole array of tools amazing collection of tools to use. And sometimes we need some guidance from somebody more experienced to know which tool to use, how to apply it, and how to work with what we're experiencing and what we're dealing with, whether it's the history we know about in this lifetime or whatever our patterns are, then we may not know where they came from. It doesn't matter. But we can make progress. And that's what's important. And so this is what we're about for this next five or six days. We're going to really give ourselves a chance to be present with that. So we'll have our quiet times, and we'll have our discussion times, and we'll look at the teachings, and we'll look at ourselves, and we'll see what comes out of it, including, hopefully, a connection with each other. Because... One of the important things about traveling this path is having our friends, our, our Kalyanamitas, our um, teachers that we can look to, those that we find that have you know, a, a level of ethics that we want to emulate, those that we find that have a level of generosity we want to emulate, those that we find that have wisdom we want to emulate and learn from. those that have faith that we want to emulate. Now, the word faith might be problematic sometimes in our culture because, you know, maybe we've been um, exposed to faith-based religions in a way that's not worked for us. It's not to put those, those approaches down, but to recognize that if we feel like there's been some harm there or some... We have some resistance there. We can call it confidence. It doesn't have the same meaning in Buddhism that it has in faith-based religions where 
The idea is you have faith, even though you can't prove it. You have faith in what you can't see or know yourself. And the Buddha was like, no, you have, you build your faith brick by brick through experience of knowing yourself directly, knowing for yourself. And now that doesn't mean that we throw away everything we can't experience yet ourselves. It's wise to look at what the Buddha said. This is actually how it works. Whether that's rebirth or karma or gratitude or ethics, if we, if we take that in provisionally until we experience it ourselves, that's really helpful so that we don't wind up getting stuck somewhere um, in an unwholesome kind of pattern. But then we keep practicing, we keep moving forward in our own direct experience and we develop that confidence. Yeah, the Buddha was right. He had it nailed. He really understand, understood the way things are. He saw it and he described it for so many situations, so many contexts. And we have the benefit of having those teachings still in our, in our grasp, in our, in our environment. We're so lucky to have a place like this to come to where we can talk about these things and really investigate, let ourselves come directly into our own heart and practice. So that's the plan. And now we're going to bring our time together to a close with a practice that develops faith and generosity of sharing blessings. So right now I'll just kind of uh, share what um, I'm going to do with this merit, you might say, of this retreat. I, there, there's a couple in our community who are both suddenly facing really grave health challenges, different ones, and they're both having to go through this at the same time after 40 years of marriage, and, you know, like, things are really challenging. They're, they're, they've been practicing really strongly, so that's helpful. And I told them that I would dedicate the merit of this retreat, that you know, my part in it, to them. And you might wonder, well, how does that work? <laughs> does that work? There's <laughs> um, something else we talked with Bhante Analio about this morning. He's like, I said, also, how do you share merit? And you know that kind of like really in the heart, kind of dedicating the goodness that we experience and, and develop to the benefit of, of people we, we bring to our mind and to all beings. And he starts every practice that way. And I think that's great. So let's start the retreat that way. Whoever in your life you want to share goodness with and then all beings and there's there's a benefit there for you also that this practice isn't just about ourselves whatever we do to develop along this path 
as a noble disciple benefits everyone. And for many of you who've been practicing, you'll see how the people around you benefit from what you've learned and how you've developed and maybe less, less anxiety, less anger, less frustration, more kindness, more compassion, you know, whatever it is that's coming about in your life like that. It makes such a huge difference to everyone. So we're going to look at the chant. This is the kind of um, Thai-style sharing of blessings. It kind of includes everybody. It's on page four. Anaya Chitananda will lead us. And then after that, we'll go to page one, and we'll chant the first half of that page together and bow. And that's where our noble silence will start. And we'll head off to our quarters, and we'll see each other again in here in the morning at 7 a.m. Okay, everyone, uh, can you hear okay? Okay, great. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, May the highest devas and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent, or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled.
English or just both English English and Polly or your choice. Arahang Sama Sambudo Bagawa Budang Bagawan Tang Abiwademi Swakato Bagawata Dhamma Dhammang Namasami Supatipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sangho Sanghang Namami Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.